Welcome back to the Mom Docs podcast. We are three chiropractors on a mission to empower moms to intentionally choose health for their kids and families, to provide core principles to raise their families holistically, and to help parents take an active role in their family's health. Our goal is to provide families a philosophical approach to healthcare that steps away from convention and supports true healing. So this is part two of our immune boosting COVID busting series. If you listen to part one, we covered everything about nutrition that you can do to support yourself and your family's immune system being strong and healthy during the season. We also covered the importance of outside movement time and the role of oxygenation and circulating blood flow and the immune boost boosting benefits of getting outdoors while doing it. So in this episode, we want to cover um, on part two, supplementation, specific supplementation that you and your family can take that has immune boosting benefits during this COVID era. But before we do that, um, Dr. Aaron, I want to chat with you about this thing that like, it kind of tried to go out quietly when the CDC came out and, and released numbers recently saying that actually a very, very, very small percentage of deaths that have been uh, called COVID deaths were actually truly due to only COVID. And the, the number that they've reported is roughly only 6% of the hundreds of thousands of deaths that have been chalked up to quote, due to COVID. Actually COVID was the only cause of death, which means 94% of quote, deaths from COVID had one or one or more additional causes of death. And they call this in medicine, they call this a comorbidity, often heart disease or cancer or obesity. The vast majority of these um, comorbidities are lifestyle induced diseases, which I think one should be a little bit encouraging to the average person, but also really highlights the necessity of having a healthy lifestyle, which is the song we've been singing and will continue to sing. That's right. And, you know, it's hard because, you know, on the other side of the coin, there's this argument of, well, if that person hadn't gotten COVID, then they'd still be alive. Well, here's the deal. Like when you have comorbidities, there are multiple, like numerous things that are going to take you out that might not take out like a seemingly healthy person. And so we have this, it's like a great debate. And yes, COVID um, may have like been that straw that broke the camel's back. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, these are bodies that were, were not functioning properly just because of different interferences in their physiological processes. So um, yes, like, we will continue to sing that song of, of just living a healthy lifestyle, not to beat COVID, um, but to really just thrive and, you know, live out our God-given purpose on the earth. Well, and I think it's really interesting when they say, well, why is the United States fared so poorly compared to other countries when it comes to COVID deaths and COVID-related deaths? And it's like, well, look at the healthcare of our country. We're among the most obese. We take more prescription medications. We have more diabetes, more heart disease, more high blood pressure. We have so many factors working against us, which is so crazy to me because we have access to more in this country than we, you know, many other nations. Yet right. we are so unhealthy and unwell. And then it's really about we. I just wish we could get people to understand. It's not about avoiding viruses. It's about having a strong enough host and having a robust enough immune system that, yeah, of course you can encounter these things and you do just fine with it. You know, I think it's good to to revisit the stats that, you know, we're looking at as a nation. 
you know, I think this has really actually opened up a lot of people's eyes to how sick we are. You know, 25% of kids and adolescents in the U.S. are affected by a chronic health condition. And these are what we're talking about when we say comorbidities. These are things that are putting you at a deficit, putting these kids at a deficit so that when they do encounter, you know, viruses or bacterial infections, um, it's all their immune systems are already at a deficit and makes it much harder for them to get over something like that versus somebody who's he- healthy going into it, you know, as mm-hmm. we've been saying. So 6.2 million kids have asthma. Um, we know that, you know, asthma is a, a big issue when it comes to COVID. Kids with autism, we have now one in 54 kids, one in 54 mm-hmm. just as of January of this year. And that number just continues to get bigger. Um, you know, one in 13 kids has allergies. Uh, you know, when I remember when we were kids, we it wasn't as common to see, you know, allergies. I mean, we're not that old, <laughs> but really like that wasn't really a thing. Like we didn't have like nut issues at school. We, we yeah. didn't have those restrictions, you know, where we couldn't bring certain foods to school. Um, so that's on the rise big time. Kids with ADHD, almost 10% of our kids have a diagnosis of ADHD and how many of those are on a medication for it. Um, so diabetes, 200,000 kids, kids with malnutrition. So we, when we think of like malnourishment, we think of like third world countries, mm-hmm. right? And in the U.S., we have 16 million kids that are considered malnourished, mm-hmm. um, which you know, they might not look malnourished as you might think on like National Geographic where you see the kid that's like skin and bones. Our malnourishment looks more like obesity where mm-hmm. they're maybe getting like so-called adequate calories, but the nutrients just aren't there in their diet. And so that's considered considered malnutrition. And then we've got all these chronic diseases that stem from that, you know, especially obesity. Um, So I think, again, like COVID has really opened up our eyes as a nation to, you know, the places where we need to work on. Well, and if you look at if you look at just take any one of those numbers as an individual set, but then you look at the uh, sum total of all of them to ignore the fact that our children are unwell is is really ignorant at this point. We have to look. And just because you might think that, oh, my children are okay and their friends are okay, So that must extrapolate to everyone else. Go talk to the school nurse in your school and find out how many how many prescription medications she has to handle to get through a school day. Wow. Children are really sick at this point, and with twenty five percent of kids already being affected with a chronic health condition, all I can think is thirty years from now, with these kids being as sick as they are today, where are they going to be with thirty more years of lifestyle that's created disease in the first place piled on top of them? Yep. And now, if another virus comes around, we're 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 really in trouble. Yep. So I think just looking at a snapshot of our children and saying, holy smokes, that my kids, I'm scared of a virus of them today. I'm not, I, we have to course correct here. Yep. We have got to take these things really seriously because we can't spend our lives in bubbles. Contrary to what, you know, I think some government officials want us to believe is possible. We can't spend our, our lives over sanitized and, and distance and in bubbles and in mass. It's just not reality. No. We need to engage in the world and we need to be strong enough to be able to do it. So um, in part one, if you missed it, you can go back and listen to part one of this two-part series. We covered nutrition, we covered fitness and oxygenation. Um, Today, we wanted to touch on supplementation, specifically supplementation that will help boost the immune system for both adults and children. Um, Let's start with adults. And I want to give the the, uh, pre-framer that 
with adults, I know we all want like, give me that one supplement that if I just take that one supplement, I know I'll be good to go. And the truth is adults, it really does begin with adequate and appropriate nutrition. Like I think we would prefer to take a pill to get ourselves closer to health and well-being and homeostasis, but recognizing that supplements are just that they are meant to be supplementary to a healthy diet. Yep. And we covered some things on nutrition in the, in the in the past, and we'll do it more in the future. But really looking at the best supplementation you can do for yourself baseline, which will cost you very little money to do, is really start cleaning up, move to a whole food based diet, get additives, preservatives. Um, synthetic foods out of your diet, get out of the fast food line, get back to whole food nutrition as a starting point to where you should begin with your quote supplementation journey. Um, secondly, for adults, I, I think a good starting place for many adults is a really good probiotic. 70% um, of your immune system lives in your gut. So balancing the microbiome of your gut with a good healthy probiotic, if you've ever taken an antibiotic in your life, or if you were not breastfed, um, and if you don't have a good, good clean diet, then probiotics are really a good foundation, a good building block for building a healthy immune system for most adults. And I would add on to that, what we know about probiotics now is that, you know, if you can get a, a probiotic that has a variety of different beneficial strains in it. It's not so much about the quantity that you have in that probiotic that you're taking, but it's more about the diversity of the strains. Mm -hmm. um, so the more I always look for like the more strains that are in in one pill or whatever you're taking, mm -hmm. if it's a liquid, um, the more beneficial it's going to be. So mm -hmm. you don't want just a ton of one strain that's not necessarily going to be great for your for your gut. Also, when it comes to probiotics, I like to see things that have a prebiotic included in it. So something that's feeding the bacteria. And then just key things to look for um, in, in addition to multiple strains is that, and it'll say on the label, live and active cultures. That's also important to look for when choosing which probiotic should I take. Um, a second supplement that I think um, is really important and research is now, I mean, we've been talking about the benefits of vitamin D for 10 years in practice. Each of us have um, yeah. now COVID research is coming out saying, oh, wow, vitamin D is actually has immune boosting benefits. They're showing that people who end up with COVID, the higher their vitamin D levels are when being tested, the, um, the more adequate their vitamin D levels are, the better off they fare with dealing with it. Vitamin D is a friendly reminder you get naturally from sunlight. So getting lots of outside sun exposure. Most of us though, don't get outside enough at the right time of day with the right um, skin exposure to be able to synthesize vitamin D. So for many of us, vitamin D supplementation is necessary this time of year. That's good. Um, so those are two huge ones. Um, some others that we as a family have kind of adopted actually since March, um, we've really been taking high quality vitamin C. We take a liposomal vitamin C, so it just makes it easier. It's like coated in fat, so it makes it easier to absorb. Um, and we're also taking zinc, uh, which I know that's something that's actually hit mainstream media is, is the importance of zinc. And really just so many Americans, so many people around the world are deficient in zinc. And so just taking that like baseline um, dose is actually really beneficial for the immune system. I think we should also say, Dr. Sarah, that um, if you're taking a bunch of supplements, it's really healthy for your body, especially your liver and your kidneys to kind of cycle off of those 
periodically. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know like we've done that, you know, if we're on like, I don't know, five or six supplements that we take regularly, we'll try to do like four days every single month where we stop taking everything, Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of give our liver and our kidneys a break. Um, maybe we'll do like some sort of fasting during that time too, just, and just do water, um, as much as we can, but that's, that's really critical too, because you don't want to start overloading your body, you know, with, with a ton of different supplements because it is more work for your kidneys and your liver. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing to be fearful about doing that, especially when you have good, healthy nutrition, you know, you're getting much of what you need from your lifestyle. Anyway, these are, again, I'll say they're supplementary. (laughs) That's like they are, that's part of what they are called. They are supplements. So we use them as such. And there's really good food sources, even just taking zinc, for example, I mean, food sources of zinc, chicken, nuts, seeds, those are all really super simple things that you can just incorporate into your diet and know that you're at least giving some level of one specific vitamin into your mineral, into your system. So let's talk more specifically about kids. And Erin, I would love to like let you kind of take point on this because I know that you've done some testing with your children and you have a really like good plan on how you go about approaching supplementation with your kids. Totally. Well, this just stemmed from um, my just like lack of trust for our current medical model where we just have this like one size fits all approach to health for our kids. And we know that all kids are different. All bodies are different and respond differently to different supplements. Um, you know, if you're in the medical model, they different kids respond differently to medical treatments, vaccines, all of these things. Um, that's why you might have one kid that seemingly does fine with, you know, an immunization and another that has an immediate reaction to it. It's just because we have so many differences within our physiology. Um, so what, because of that, I've taken the approach even with like nutrition and supplementation with my own four kids to do some testing to see what their bodies actually really, really need. Um, because, you know, I don't want to just start giving them an, a supplement that their kidneys and their liver are going to have to process if they don't actually need that, if they're maybe getting it adequately and their body is absorbing it adequately from their diet. Um, so we do this organic acid testing. It's like a urine test. You can do it annually. Um, if you start, if you see any red flags or anything with the results, you can do it quarterly. Um, and that's kind of what we've done as a family. Um, but for example, like we did it this year and our oldest who's nine came back nearly hundred percent clear. Um, so she, that means that she's, her body's working really, really well. She's, uh, absorbing nutrients properly from her food. Um, and really we just have her on like a daily high quality whole food multivitamin and just like a maintenance dose of vitamin C and D. Um, but then our younger daughter, Nevi, she came back, you know, and these are kids that live in the same house, same food, you know, mm-hmm. really exposed to to the same stuff every single day, but she came back with some major toxicity issues. So her body's having a harder time getting rid of toxins that she's exposed to in the environment. Um, it could be, you know, toxic cleaning products at school, whatever it is, but something inside her body is not functioning properly to get rid of that stuff. So we had to have her on more antioxidants. We had to have her on like a pediatric detox support. Um, and then we're actually approaching that time where we retest because I don't want her doing that for the rest of her life. I want to see that her body's, you know, course correcting and adapting and getting better. And then we can like get her off of some of those natural supplements because I don't think she needs to be taking them 24 seven. So that's just an example of why testing is great. Um, you know, I never would have 
needed to be on like a adult dose of vitamin C. Um, and again, that's not for lifelong, you know, mm-hmm. supplementation at all, but um, that's just what she, her body needed. And she was actually thriving once we figured out exactly what she needed. Well, and I think it's really important because everyone wants their children to be healthy and every mom will do anything. And so with, you know, more emphasis on supplementation and a healthy immune system, I know many moms can make the mistake right now of just thinking, oh my gosh, I'm just going to go get my kid on a multivitamin. Like I just need to do something. And I really do think a daily multivitamin, a vitamin D and a fish oil supplement is a really good baseline for a lot of kids that, that maybe need to, they need some supplementation right now. Um, but it's really quite scary if you walk through, I mean, I just, I did this the other day at Costco and I just saw like, uh, it said something along the lines of like organic or no dyes or some, something that made it appear like, Hey, this would be a good children's multivitamin. I forget the wording, but something gave me the impression like they were, they were marketing towards the health conscious mom and it's a whatever organic healthy vitamin. And I flip over the back of the label and it is filled with sugars and chemicals and like there was nothing whole food or or clean about it it was had you know 50 ingredients on the back of this multivitamin i'd really encourage you like just as an exercise and understanding that choice matters and it's not just oh here's a good daily vitamin for my kid flintstones that that'll be great oh here's a i went to um vitamin shop and i got a a children's fish oil so that'll be that'll that should be good really take the if you're going to spend the money on it flip it over and read the ingredient list and see what is actually in that supplement before you one choose to spend money on it but two choose to put it into your child because it's either in in many cases it's either pointless it's not doing any anything you're not getting the benefits from it and in many cases it can be harmful Um, children's vitamins that have sugars or artificial sweeteners or any food dyes in them that is more harmful to your child than not giving it to them at all so I'd really, really encourage you, make sure that you are reading the labels. My children do take a daily multivitamin. Um, they take a daily probiotic and a daily fish oil. That's the what we've sort of settled on in the vitamin, ha- the vitamin, a multivitamin has vitamin D in it. And we also live in South Carolina. So we get lots of natural vitamin Lucky D you. all year yeah. long. <laughs> we live up near the Arctic. Yeah. <laughs> get it for like three months a year. So yeah, we supplement a lot. You enjoy it when you can get it. So let's cover. I just want to make sure that we do cover just a bit on sleep. I don't know, Dr. Aaron, do you just want to walk through just real quickly the age ranges and the amount of sleep that you're getting? I do think it's important to note that when it comes to boosting your immune system, we all know rest is important, but very few of us honor actually getting it or forcing our children to get it. Um, and in a time where there's already high stress, high anxiety, they're back to school now, I think really honoring recommended amount of sleep for each age range is really important for having immune boosting benefits. So if you want to roll through those, that would be awesome. Totally. So kids under the age of one need 14 to 15 hours per day. Um, So, you know, that's including nighttime sleep and naps throughout the day. Toddlers, um, one to three, probably 12 to 14 hours. So a little bit less kids, three to six, um, 10 to 12 hours. And this is great because Nevi, so she's my middle daughter, she's six. And we were getting some late nights in because she had dance and she's in two different dance classes during the week. And I just noticed that, you know, she was just not getting enough rest from the time she got home to the time she had to be up for school. And so we literally like we had to say no to one of our commitments because we just needed to get her back into a good routine. And we got her back in her, you know, 10 to 12 hour range. And um, we just she just started thriving again. So parents pay attention to that. You know, if you see your kid is not probably functioning 
the way they normally do, this is probably the first place you want to you want to start looking if it's just it's kind of a sudden change for them. Um, seven to twelve, we say ten to eleven hours. Teenagers around eight to nine, but you're going to be going through those hormonal changes, those growth spurts. So sometimes you're going to probably need about twelve. Um, so just watch those in your teenagers. And then adults, um, the research shows, you know, between seven and nine hours a night. And again, we want to make sure that we're going to bed and waking up at the same time every single day. So if you're a weekender that likes to party and stay out late and sleep in, um, I get that. But you're not actually catching up on sleep by sleeping in. You're actually throwing off your circadian rhythm. And so it's just important to protect those sleep times. Yes, go ahead, have like a vacation weekend once in a while. Um, but again, you know, just same time, whether it's Monday or Saturday, just try to do your best to do that. And let's be on like our kids thrive with routines. Yes. So making a routine of we eat dinner, we go outside and play for a few minutes. We move to the bathtub, then we read books, then we head to bed, you know, Great. and yep. just really like, and sometimes with the way the world is right now. And as kids change and now we're back in school and now we have sports, we tend to just like throw our hands in the air and just, well, let's just survive and we'll grab fast food and we'll deal with going to bed, you know, right. let's honor this, the process that it takes to prepare children to be able to unwind their minds. And then let's look in the mirror as adults. And I'm speaking to myself too with us. Let's make sure that we're doing the same things. Yep. So I've recently gotten right back into the habit of kittens are down. I do my nightly chores around the house. And then I don't go sit in front of a TV, which we rarely do anyway, or I don't go hop on the internet or my phone. I go to bed and I read a book for about 30 minutes and then I had to, and then I fall asleep and I That's fall awesome. asleep faster and better. So just all of us really looking at and taking this as an opportunity to say, Hey, what are my nightly patterns? What sets my children up for success to be able to fall asleep easily and stay asleep all night? And then what are the things that I need to be doing too to make sure I'm getting adequate rest? I know as adults, we're often told like, hey, you need the seven to nine hours. You've got to recognize if you want to get seven hours of sleep, you need to be eight hours in your bed. That's you true. Know, like, unless yep. you're, you know, like, because it, it takes time for you to actually fall asleep and time to wake up in the morning. Yep. So I think really looking at there's so much that we can do to boost our immune system and and allow ourselves to not have to live in fear of a virus. So we hope that this was beneficial to you. This, again, this was a two-part series. So if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to part one where we covered nutrition and exercise, um, please go back ahead and do that. We want to thank you for joining us today on the Mom Docs podcast. If you enjoyed listening to the show, the greatest compliment you can give us is to share this with your with others and leave us a review on iTunes. And remember, as a friendly reminder, by subscribing to this podcast, you will be sure to never miss an episode. Thanks for joining and we will see you next time.